You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You know, I, I, I talked to him yesterday. I said, if you can return kicks, he just started laughing. You know? <laughs> I mean, because we have all those guys out there that, that do it. And, uh, you know, I didn't ask him if he can cover any kicks either, but... Uh, you know, I, I just think he's beyond that, to be honest with you. I mean, if he comes in to help us, it's going to be, you know, as a, as, a, as a two or a three receiver. You know, and I think, you know, in that role, he won't be playing special teams. You know, the, the main thing that he needs to do right now, and I know Coach is talking, is get up to speed of what we're doing. And, but our, our offense is complicated, and it's, there's, you know, there's a lot to it. So he, he's not coming to special teams meetings. He's doing that. He's doing his meet with Joe. And finally, oh, finally, we are back this week. Oh, I could not wait to get here. Showing BK on the Chiefs. There's BK. There's Serta. Of course, this is me, your beautiful Ron the Show Hughley. Got a nice little glass of Cabernet. They can't see you drinking it. <laughs> oh, but they can hear it, baby. They can hear it, Serta. I'm, I, I, I'm a bit refined show today. I had a healthy pour. I'm going to be, I'm not going to say I'm going to be in the bag yet but i'm gonna be feeling pretty good in this podcast because i got a whole lot a whole lot to get out because the chiefs are in last place in the division what are you hold on what are you drinking bk oh nice little whiskey nice glass of whiskey man nice glass of whiskey that sounds great please don't hit your glass uh uh on the market I'll do whatever. That doesn't, I, that doesn't sound good for our listeners. I'll do it. Crowd. Listen, our listeners know this is a bit of a gritty, grimy type of feel, and and yeah, I, my glass hit. It's a real solid glass. I'm drinking. <laughs> you'll be ready for these, uh, BK. I'm drinking out uh, uh, wedding day presents right here. The uh, oh, the, the stuff that you got when you missed the first week of the season. That that that. That wine, I'm just surprised not out of a bag. That's the only surprise. Like, I'm not surprised you're drinking wine. I'm just surprised not out of a bag in a box. Oh, I'm refined, baby. (laughs) I'm telling you, my wine right now, I'm telling you, $25. I can't go under $25 on my wine. I got to go for it. I got to go for it. That's what I found out. I went down there. I said, oh, maybe these $7 bottles of wine that I'm getting (laughs) is the reason why I don't like it. Oh, that's cheap. Yeah. Three fifty for a gallon of wine. I, Suddenly, I, it's all making I, sense I, when I, you wake I, up I the next morning. More than that. Like <laughs> I spend more than that on a six pack of beer. You should spend more than seven dollars on a bottle of wine. I went to a tasting. I went into they had a they had a, a showing of how uh, of how much these 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 glad these bottles of wine cost. I'm here sipping them, looking at that one. Oh, I'm like, oh, this one is really good. We got to get this one to go back home. Hundred eighteen dollars. The hell we do. Not spend $118. $118. I said, well, we better we better take this in. But no, man, I'm I'm in a good $25 to $50 range right there. That's where I am in that range. And then maybe on a special occasion, maybe I get maybe I go a little higher. 
but but I'm feeling got got to stop with the, ch- the cheap stuff. Serta, you look like a guy who maybe buys a good eleven to fourteen dollar glass of wine. Ah, oh, man, gotta get to the good stuff. I only really drink wine. I'm a, I'm a craft beer connoisseur. Okay, all right. Serta's wine taste is kind of like the Chiefs' taste in number two receivers. It's a little desperate. Well, let's yeah, do usually when let's I drink do. it, it's because it's the only thing left in the fridge, and I'm like, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I don't really like it that much. I'm glad you said that word. Because I've caught a lot of hell on Twitter because as soon as the move happened, I said, oh, this is an act of desperation. And the move we're talking about, Josh Gordon, a man, a man who the next time he straps it up for the Chiefs, maybe, will be 700 days removed from the last time he played football. Since 2015, he's played in 24 games. That guy. They brought him in in an act of desperation. I sat here last week and was told, truthfully, by BK, that, hey, this is still one of the best offenses in the league. And he's right. They're they're averaging over 30 points a game. They're like sixth in yards. They're a really good offense. But still with that, they said, we are desperate that we got to get a guy who can't stop doing drugs and cannot stop. Stop making himself available. It doesn't matter if he's mentored by Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin. It doesn't matter. He can't be trusted because he has a demon. I hope, I swear to God, I hope he is through this demon. And if the Chiefs in, in, in this situation can help him be through it, that's great. But still, you can't trust him. You can't depend on him. He's just shown that time and time and again. And you can't tell me that as they sit right here at one and two, three games into it, scoring 33, 36 points, and 24 points in a game where they kept turning the ball over at will uh, in the red zone, that they're not desperate. This is an act of desperation in a major way, BK, and I won't hear anything else. I'm glad you brought that word up. You said it before I did. It is a move of desperation, But this is a team that's desperate to find a number two wide receiver. And many of us were saying that all offseason that they didn't have one on the roster. Like as much as people wanted it for whether it be uh, McCole Hardman or maybe you're still holding out hope that this is going to be the year for Demarcus Robinson. I know there are a lot of Chiefs fans that were of the belief that Byron Pringle, all he needed was an opportunity. And those guys are fine, but they're bit players. They, they can play the role of number four pass catcher, number three wide receiver, and they're fine. They're fine in that role. But they're gadget guys. They're used in very specific ways. They are not legitimate, like 80% of the snaps receivers. And the Chiefs just don't have one of those guys outside of Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't know whether or not Josh Gordon is going to be able to be that guy. The last time that we saw him was before we had a 2020 election, before COVID-19 was a thing. Like, it, it's been a minute since we've seen Josh Gordon. Would you say Obama was the president the last time we seen him? <laughs> well, it was it was not Obama. That's but I, my mind. I just want to keep that in my mind. <laughs> yeah, there, there was another guy that was in the White House. Um it's been a minute is what I'm saying. Like I I have no idea what Josh Gordon is going to look like now, but the last time that I saw him play, 
he was better than anybody that the Chiefs currently have as their number two uh, wide receiver options, like significantly you, better. You two think it was you two think it was desperation, but needed like correct, like needed desperation. Like I think that it was desperation that the Chiefs brought on themselves by not addressing another wide receiver in the offseason. They chose to draft Nick Bolton when Terrace Marshall was on the board in the I NFL. I have no idea who that is. I think that Terrace Marshall is a very talented rookie wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Just so happens he's very athletically gifted. He is an he can be an outside wide receiver. He can I believe go up and get the football. He can do the things that a guy like McCole Hardman can't do. I believe and you, sir. I've never heard of that guy, and the team I cover no. played him last week. Okay. Never heard well, of him. Still he's going to have day. a breakout game this week. His, his he was stat, a stud it, receiver on the national champion LSU Tigers. Yes, he was just behind Justin. And now Jefferson that you said that, I, I now know who that is now. Did not know it. <laughs> He's behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, but Terrace Marshall is a baller in his own right. Chiefs should have drafted him. He was on the board when they decided to take Nick Bolton instead. But they should have addressed the wide receiver position, and they brought this on themselves. We've been talking about it for a couple of years now, really, when we knew Sammy Watkins was eventually going to leave. They were going to have to figure this out. We didn't believe it was McCole Hardman. It's more apparent than ever that it's not McCall Hardman. And so you bring in Josh Gordon. Yeah, it's probably a desperation move. But I've been telling you guys for months that I wanted the Chiefs to bring in Josh Gordon. This is everything that I've dreamed of. Hmm. I had a Chiefs franchise for years that went and got Josh Gordon in, in free agency. And he was the oh number one God. wide receiver on multiple Super Bowl you. teams. So this is a dream come to life. For old Steve, I am so excited to see Josh Gordon on the field. I can't wait until he balls out for the Chiefs. Here's my thing. I'm going to ignore your last 30 seconds. Here's my thing. I want to throw to you. We could agree that they're not getting enough production outside of Kelsey and Hill. Like, we can agree to that. Now, you all, you, you both felt like this was a desperation move that was needed. I'm not quite there to that point. Yet I'm not I'm not one that says what they need from there. And I and you we could say second receiver. I think I call I keep calling it the third passing uh threat, their third option, their third passing game option. Because Kelsey and Hill, I know I know Kelsey's a tight end, but he they're their one and two passing passing threats. For their third option, I personally am not giving up on the thought that that that, that person is here, but I will say this. They're He's not here. His name's Josh Gordon. Oh, it's okay. You don't even completely believe that, as you just so eloquently said. I haven't seen that guy play since <laughs> 2014, so I don't know what he is. But I, I, I'll say this. I think, I think there are a lot of people that need to look at themselves in the mirror since they've arrived to this point. And I'll even go and start with people. Listen, I, I, I love the movie Remember the Titans. And I will say, like Herman Boone said, I'm a mean cuss, but I'm a mean cuss to everybody. I'm going I'm to catch everybody. There's a lot of people. I was team McCole Harmon, still am. But he is one that needs to look himself in the mirror, BK. And Serta, has he gone and, and taken strides? Has he done everything he could in the offseason to get better and improve his game? Uh, Demarcus Robinson, has he done everything to learn things and, you know, to know the playbook in year 11 in the system? 
All right. Byron Pringle, has he done everything to improve himself? Right. Like, I think a lot of people need to look at themselves in the mirror. Patrick Mahomes, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Are you doing everything to help yourself? Are you are you hitting guys when you should be? There have been times I saw in the in the preseason. I remember they were doing a game where Lewis Riddick was covering, and he showed a play where Patrick Mahomes just bypassed uh, uh, where the ball should have gone to go somewhere else, and he didn't throw the ball where he needed to throw. And instead, we're seeing him throw inexcusable interceptions for no damn reason. Like, he's got to look himself in the mirror. And then Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, y'all got to look at yourselves in the mirror. For the life of me, you have a defense and defenses who are coming out trying to take away Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and having multiple eyes, five, six eyes, sets of eyes on those guys every pass route, double teaming them sometimes in and not going to let them beat us down the field. And you mean to tell me when you got two guys where the defense has multiple eyes on them, you can't scheme people open. You can't get uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire involved in the passing game, which he was brought here, and you thought that was something you could really take advantage of. I, I, I literally have watched the All-22. I've watched McCole Hardman run senseless routes, senseless routes that have been called that was what he was supposed to do. Now, I will also admit he certainly didn't run them great, all of them, but he's run senseless routes three-yard routes to the outside that does nothing to help spacing to help Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey to get open. I, I, I call me crazy, fellas. You're the – Andy Reid's the best schemer and play designer I have seen since Bill Walsh. He's got two guys being double teamed. You mean to tell me he can't get a guy who runs a 4-3 and has proven in the league he can go down the field and make big plays, got a running back – who should be an absolute terror against linebackers on one-on-one matchups. And he can't get those guys open. Like, I, he can't scheme stuff open. The only thing he can scheme for McCole Hardman is a jet sweep. Some of that's on McCole. Some of that's on Demarcus Robinson, as I said. But for the life of me, I've watched him scheme Donnie Avery open. I've watched him scheme other lesser players that don't have at least a above-average set them open. So there's a lot of people who got to look at themselves in the mirror that they've gotten to a point where they got to go get some guy off the streets who hadn't played in 700 days to play football in Josh Gordon. This isn't just on one person. A lot of people got to look at themselves in the mirror. No, you're, you're right. Um, I, I think there is some criticism that is totally fair of Andy Reid right now. He, he needs to be better and everybody in that room needs to be better. That being said, it, a lot of this is personnel, and I, I do tend to agree with Serta. The Chiefs put themselves in this spot when they missed out on Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that there is – that Juju's decision to re-sign in Pittsburgh was baffling at the time, and it remains even more so today now that we've seen what Big Ben looks like in 2021. If this team had Juju Smith-Schuster, I think you'd be seeing a heck of a lot different offense right now because Juju does all of the things – that McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle do not. He runs crisp routes. He's willing to go across the middle. The zone defense that we're seeing so much of right now against the Chiefs offense, he's the guy that'll sit in the middle where that zone is not, where it, where he sees the opening, and he's just going to sit there and, and Patrick Mullen is going hit, to hit him. He's going to be able to go for an extra five, six yards after the catch, and boom, your, your offense stays on time. They don't have that guy right now. He doesn't exist on the roster and so when they're going up against the zone defenses that they're seeing right now, it's a lot harder to beat that with scheme. That's more about sight adjustments. 
And their guys outside at wide receiver right now don't do that very well. Tyreek Hill's very good at it. Travis Kelsey might be the best in all of football at it. And that's why you're seeing him have so much success this season. But can we see a guy like Josh Gordon do more of that? I think, I hope maybe, the answer to that question is yes. And if he can, you're going to see the Chiefs offense look a heck of a lot better. You're going to see teams start running a lot more man. And when you see them start running man again against them, that's when those deep shots to McCole Hardman over the top, you're going to see more and more of those again. But right now, everybody's taking away everything over the top. So you're not able to get McCole Hardman running across the middle, over the top, to the post, the way that we did uh, against the Ravens so many times over the last couple of seasons. That's just not there for them right now. And when it's not, what you're watching is a whole heck of a lot of bubble screens and gadget plays to McCole Hardman. You're watching Demarcus Robinson run a quick hitch route where he catches the ball and then starts running backwards the wrong way. You're watching Byron Pringle running slants, and maybe he catches it, maybe he doesn't. You're watching Marcus Kemp getting way too many reps right now, even as a guy that is a Marcus Kemp fan. He just shouldn't be out there on offense like this right now, and he saw it last week show up in the worst possible way. So I say all of that to say this. They have a personnel issue right now, and they could be doing better as coaches to get more out of their personnel, but this potential improvement on the personnel might help make the coaches look better, which then in turn allows them to start running some of the stuff that they want to run more often. Yeah, I totally agree that they have to take some time, and I think that they have this week, to hold themselves accountable for the situation that they currently find themselves in is a team because I don't think coaching staffs are above the lackadaisical attitude that we've seen from this Kansas city chiefs team, you know, all last regular season where we felt like each and every week, Oh, they're sleepwalking through the regular season. We haven't seen the best performance of this team once this season because they're just so much better than everybody else. They can beat everybody no matter what, no matter what you do, even when you put yourselves in a, in a better circumstance. And I think that's carried over to this year a little bit. And I think it's perfectly fair to question whether or not that has kind of leaked its way into Andy Reed and the way he's calling football games where it's all right, well, this isn't working, but it should work because Mahomes can do anything. So why isn't this working right now as opposed to Andy being a little bit more creative like we've seen from him in the past in manufacturing guys open and getting some big plays out of the backfield from Tyreek or McCall Hardman or whatever. I think it's perfectly reasonable to question that stuff. And Patrick Mahomes has to take a look at himself right now and say, all right, what have I struggled with my entire career? Like what's the one thing that has slowed me down each and every time I played it zone. Okay. More teams are playing zone against us now. Even the Ravens, who never play zone, were finally like, all right, we're going to start playing zone and not blitz Patrick Mahomes. And it worked for the first time in the in his entire career. And so he's I mean, got did it, though. Back. I mean, but, did it work? I mean, no, but it, it worked as much as it's going to. It worked well enough for them to lose the football game. And that's all that matters. So You can't stop the Chiefs offense. You can slow yeah. it down a little bit, and that's what it's yeah. doing right now. And, and so Patrick Mahomes especially has to take a look at this right now and say, all right, well, if I can't hit Tyreek for 60 yards, I got to start thinking like Peyton. I got to start thinking like Brady, and I got to just start carving these guys up eight yards at a time 
and then I'll get exceptional at that. And That's what once I'm saying. I Look, start carving these guys up like that, then the downfield stuff will open back up again, and then I'll be totally unstoppable. Look yourself in the mirror, like as you said, like the Baltimore game. To me, man, they they could have they they could have and should have scored forty plus points if they weren't just being silly themselves. Like, yeah, yeah, you can't hit. I mean, they they had long touchdowns, they had long things in that game. It, Pat's bad turnover and Clyde's bad turnover while they're driving. Those 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 drives could have resulted in points, right? So I listen. I I'm not going to. I, I, how about this? The personnel thing they have is different than what they probably wanted to do and what they've done in the past. But I look at their coaching staff and believe they can swing things around with the personnel they have and get more out of it. Like. To me, I, if you go back and watch just so many senseless routes that McCall Hardman runs, that does not does not help anything, and is not good for his skill, like his skill set. If they're running a zone, and I don't give a damn if McCall is screaming down the sideline on a go route, he's going to attract attention. He's going to attract attention, and it's going to loosen up something. They're not, and Pat's not throwing it to even make people believe they're going to do it. So if they're going to if they're going to do that with Tyreek, I just like I'm just a dumbass over here sitting here who just watches football, has watched football for his life. To so tell you, why is McCole Hardman running 5-yard routes? Why is he running 3-yard routes? Why is he, he he's doing I'm not saying he never runs down the field, but if he's screaming down the field, like you got to like that's my thing is. If you're going to if you came into it thinking we're going to use we're going to use this cat the same way we use Sammy Watkins and thought that you're going to get the best out of him. That's stupid. And it, and, it, and it seems like that's what they're trying to do when he has other skill sets and his skill set to me can loosen up the coverage with them in a zone or in man. It can well, loosen we, up coverage. And, it, and, it, and he's now he's and to be clear, McCall Hardman has sucked, too. Right. I'm not trying to say that this is not on him. All right, I, I've watched him run a lackadaisical route where, like, if I'm a coach, I got to meet my man at the numbers. If I'm Greg Lewis, I got to meet my man at the numbers and, hey, man, what is that? And that's like, no one even, you could have walked out there and did that. But still, like, I, Andy and Eric got to use him and to me, use him in routes that make sense that will stop things. It's just I, like, I, I'm a fool. I just, I'm like, Andy and Eric. They're double teaming two players. You can't in a zone or whatever. You can't. You're 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 the greatest. You can't scheme stuff to get them open. That just it blows me away. It blows me away. So we got to decide what we want. Do we want McCole Hardman to be a number two receiver? Or do we want McCole Hardman to do the stuff that he's good at? Because those are two very different things. Because in this offense, what the number two wide receiver is asked to do is be a possession guy, and that's. Not McCole Hardman. If we're going to have him be the downfield threat that you're talking about, Ron, if that's what you want to see him do, that's what he's done in the past, but he's done so as the third option, the guy that's coming in for 35% of the snaps. I bet you on about 35% of the snaps, he's doing what he did last year. The problem is we're seeing him right now, 65 to 70% of the snaps. And so that other extra 35% of the snaps that he's added onto his workload, those are the snaps you're talking about where he's running a quick hitch, he's running a quick slant, he's running stuff on RPOs where he's the potential option available as the outlet for Patrick Mahomes. And when he's doing that stuff, he hasn't been very good at it so far. 
And if we want him to be that, if we want him to be on the field more often, he's got to get better at that. And so this is one place where I do think if Josh Gordon is not the player that he was in his prime, but he's if he's the guy that we saw in 2019 when he played for New England and Seattle, and in that season he averaged about 50 yards per game for New England, and then whenever he got over to Seattle, he barely played for him. But if he can be that guy for the Chiefs, then you're going to upgrade both at your number two wide receiver spot with the stuff that we were just talking about, those routes that McColl's not very good at, and you allow McColl to go back to his more natural position where they can use him in the way that he probably should be utilized. So I think you're actually upgrading in two spots. So instead of Demarcus Robinson getting those reps that McColl Hardman has, you're you're seeing like a it's a trickle-down effect. You're better at number two, you're better at number three, you're better at number four, and now you don't see Marcus Kemp on the field offensively. Is this is this a fair one? Because and, and, and you all tell me, maybe I'm asking too much out of Andy Reid and crew. Is I just think there are multiple ways to skin a cat. And like I I look at him and say, All right, these are the parts I have. Much like Bill Self, these are the parts I have. All right. I want to run high low. That's what I love to run. That's what I have. That's what I built my name on is give me two bigs that can pass the ball to each other. That's what I love to do. Well, that's not what my personnel is now. Now I got four big or four guards and a big. Now I got to change the way that I that I operate. I could still score and I could still have success, but I just got to change it because my parts are different. I think Andy Reid is good enough to be able to flex, be flexible with this parts and change change things by what he has and all i'm saying is the number one thing right now is they they got to try to get these defenses out of what they're doing because it is for some reason just taking tyreek and especially tyreek moore and kelsey to another extent out of the game because of how they're playing them and you got to use the parts that you have to try to change that and those and, and and I think McColl has a skill set where you could do things with him to help change that. And that's all I'm saying is, all right, McColl is a if he's the second receiver, he's different than Sammy Watkins. How can you accentuate those skills as your number two? And I think Andy Reid is good enough to do that. That that's what I'm just saying. You got different parts. We agree with that. Yes, he's not a guy that's going over the middle the way that that Sammy was. All right. Now, how can you change it with your parts? How can you do that? And I, I think Andy, I have the, the thought that Andy's good enough to do that. I God, I, do, I do I think that Andy's drink. good enough to do that. We're not we're not overestimating Andy here. We're overestimating McCole Hardman. Like, look at two of the best offenses in the NFL right now, the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. McCole Hardman is essentially scotty miller and deshaun jackson for the kansas city chiefs but he's their number two wide receiver it is their third passing option option. but scotty miller and deshaun jackson are the fourth and fifth wide receivers on those teams they're strictly deep ball guys that's what mccall is mccall is a rounded wide receiver it's just but okay but like no i agree andy should be able to scheme some more things up for him whether it's sweeps whatever get him the ball try to utilize his speed and space but there's a lot of dudes in the nfl who are fast well, McCole hardman's just not a very good wide receiver hold on, hold on. who let's go with the rams who were their top two receivers robert woods and cooper cup right yeah, yeah. both exceptional route runners and something right. mccall's never going to be 
No, the Chiefs' top two receivers are Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. He's the third option. He's not the second but, receiver. He's the third. But, he's the third receiving option. But he should but be. Deshaun's the like Deshaun's like sixth on the Rams. I think yeah. that that's that's the point of contention here. Is okay. not that Deshaun Jackson is not the the third receiving option. It's that he's like sixth on their pecking order. Yeah. Man, he had he had twenty snaps against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has. 37 snaps on the NFL season so far. He's he's barely a part of their offense. He's exclusively in there to run fast down the field. Who is the who is the Rams third receiving threat? Van, Van Jefferson, Jefferson probably. Van Jefferson. Van and Jefferson. then Tyler Higby and, and then their running backs. Yeah. yeah. But, but but Van Jefferson, do you so, think Van Jefferson is a number 2 re- wide receiver in the league? I take no. Van Jefferson over McCall Hardman right now. Come on, man. Okay. I, I think I would too, for what it's worth. But I, I also like. He's not. Van, what I'm saying, he's not a number two. He's not what you what we're talking about with with what you want, McColl, right? He's not Sammy Watkins, Van Jefferson, right? He's not. He's closer to that, but sure. Yeah. No, my, I, I, I see your point. You know what I'm saying? And they, I'm, they've <laughs> what the reason why I think it's it's a little different is because like Tyreek Hill also plays some of that role. So you're. The Chiefs are looking for the X receiver that is in that Cooper Cup role. They don't have their Cooper Cup right now because Tyreek Hill and Robert Woods kind of play the same role in their specific offenses. And the the what you're able to get out of the Rams offense is the guy that moves the chains consistently. This is what the Chiefs are missing. The Chiefs are missing consistency right now other than Travis Kelsey. They don't have another guy to go to consistently. And right now, opposing teams are double teaming almost every play Travis Kelsey. They're, they're double teaming him. They're bracket coveraging Tyreek Hill. They're making life very difficult on Patrick Mahomes as a result. So he's having to check down, check down, check down. He's growing frustrated and boom, he tries to make something happen that's not there. And that's when you get the ugly plays. So McCole Hardman is being asked to, hey, we've got to have somebody else step up and emerge as a legit consistent pass catching option. He's the guy that they need to do that. And he's not that. But McCole Hardman is a lot of things. He's not consistent. And what I would like them to do is go to Clyde Edwards Alaire more often as a legitimately consistent pass catch, catching option. I thought going into the season, he was going to be their third pass catcher. I thought he would be third on the team in targets. Well, through three games, he has five targets. So clearly, I was I've got to take an L on that one. He has not been involved offensively in the past. But I game. don't, but I don't think I don't it's understand your fault it. To t- I don't think it's your fault to take an L on it, though. What I'm saying is, and that brings into the other part. All right, you got different parts. Clyde is like you have different parts, right? You have you. As I'm saying is, you got guys that have skill sets that may be different than what you had before. But Andy Reid, how can you use them to make it make sense? Is what I'm saying is. Yeah. Now, in in, in tone, in in turn, what he's doing is, nope. This is what we want to do. I'm going to do what I do all the time. I don't care that I have Clyde that I can use, and I got these two fast guys on the outside. Two guys are being double teamed all the time. Should have Clyde on a two-way go against linebackers all day long. Do I use it? Nope. Because I, I, I mean, in my mind, I can just see, all right, they're playing a zone. All right, I'm going to have McCole Harmon lined up, and I'm going to have him run a go route. On run side and on the same on the other side, I'm gonna have Kelsey and Hill, which are being bracketed in a double team. And then on the same side that McCole Harmon is running a go route, which he's gonna attract tension, I'm gonna have Clyde Edwards Hilaire one-on-one with a linebacker by himself with McCole Harmon taking coverage up the field. And that's easy. Easy. 
Easy. But are they doing? They're not even using Clyde. And, and I what's, just, what's weird to me about that, Ron, is this is actually out of character for Andy Reid because he typically very much involves his running backs in the passing game. Ryan and Westbrook? this year, yeah, I, I mean, you can go on and on and on. Jamal Charles early on in, in what he was doing in Kansas City. Even like Spencer Ware, we talked about this last year. or last week rather Spencer Ware was even heavily involved in the passing game Kareem Hunt one of the things that I think they miss about him is less about what he did in the running game and more about in specifically the red zone what he gave them in the passing game so it's puzzling to me to this day why they're not involving Clyde in that regard and I do think he's somebody that could be an answer for some of the questions that we're asking right now but the running backs as a whole not receptions target wise on the season have nine targets so far this year nine in the first three games that's an average of three targets per game in the first three games of the season for your running backs they've thrown 110 passes 110 that that is baffling to me that it is that low for your running back position when you are seeking a number three pass catching option it doesn't make any sense and that's why this week when we're looking at this game in particular ron like when the chiefs have the football one thing that i would be watching for do they get Clyde Edwards-Alaire involved in the passing game? I know it's something we've been asking all season long, but when they're looking themselves in the mirror this week and they're saying, okay, what do we need to do differently? How can we get this thing back on track a bit? That's one of the number one things that I think should be answered to that question is, let's get our running backs more involved. Maybe it's not Clyde. Maybe he's just not the guy in the passing game. But they brought Jarek McKinnon in for a reason. Maybe they can involve him in the passing game. Whoever it is, they've got to find somebody that can give them that consistency out of the backfield. And I think that's the spot where they can do it, especially against an Eagles team that has no semblance of a linebacking core that can stop anybody coming out of the backfield. I just think we had to get this off our chest. Uh, I really think I think we just had to get this off our chest. We had to get this out. Whew. I feel I feel so much better. I, I really do. Really you know what's do. funny? The, the weirdest part about this, man, I feel like I just sounded really negative about the Chiefs offense. I think they're going to be fine. Like, if I had to bet, mm-hmm. I think they're going to finish the year as the number one offense in the NFL. I really well, let's do. do that. I do, too. I let's do, too. Ju- well, let's this, jump into this. Let's I am a Paul Harmon's number five wide receiver. <laughs> let's, ju- let's jump into this. Hello and welcome in to Steve's Corner Cafe. Now that still doesn't really make any sense. I don't know why we recall this segment that. Still have not figured that out. Um, at some point, I'm going to ask somebody who's better at naming things than I am. And maybe we'll figure this thing out. I have plenty of fantasy advice for you guys this week. But I'm going to ask... That you find that on a podcast that I do every Friday for the SB Nation NFL show, which I hope you're already subscribed to because we're doing a ton of fantastic content on that channel. But that show every day is kind of our fantasy gambling or every Friday, I should say, is kind of our fantasy gambling show that we do on a weekly basis. We're doing a ton of good stuff over there. So I hope you guys check that out. That's where you can find a lot of my fantasy tips and sleepers and lineup suggestions and all that stuff. But this week, listen, it's opening weekend of Venom Let There Be Carnage. All right. So we got to talk about that for a quick second. I love Venom. Uh, One of my favorite comic book villains of all time. I was absolutely obsessed with Venom when I was a kid. 
when I was a Spider-Man comics nerd, and I loved Venom and Eddie Brock. I do not love the Venom Sony franchise right now. I don't think it's particularly good. I know the first movie was successful. I absolutely love Tom Hardy. I just don't think it was a particularly good movie. Reviews on early screenings of Venom Let There Be Carnage are kind of mixed. Obviously, I'm going to go see it either way. I don't have high hopes for this, but supposedly there's a post credit scene that's going to shock the world. I would have to imagine this is going to establish some type of Sony MCU multiverse. I haven't seen it. This is pure speculation. That's just what I'm assuming. So I'm going to go see Venom Let There Be Carnage this weekend. You guys should go see it too, and then you can tweet at me and we'll talk about it. Or if you want to leave us a five-star review, you can absolutely do that, and I will screenshot it and tweet it or do whatever, or you can follow me on Twitter and DM me. My DMs are open, and we can talk about that and let there be carnage. That's basically all I got for you guys this week, so more show and BK next. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, as we do every week, when the Chiefs have the ball, uh, as they face the Eagles this week, who they better beat, when the Chiefs have the ball, let's let's jump into this. Like, And I think you kick it off right there. They should be fine overall. It really should be fine. They have been fine. They're averaging over 30 points a game. They've still been one of the best offenses, top six in the league in yards. They've just shot themselves in the – I mean, they literally turned the gun on themselves over and over again and shot themselves in the foot. Many of the turnovers being in scoring range, either in the red zone or in field goal range, they've shot themselves in the foot. They've got it. These turnovers, they've got to stop, or they would be 3-0 and right now. They, right now on the year, are fifth in points scored. They're sixth in total yards. They are averaging seven yards per play. They have 25 first downs per game. Like, everything about what we're watching right now screams, the Chiefs' offense has been really good. Unfortunately, there's those six turnovers. And more specifically, the four straight drives between the Ravens game and then last week against the Chargers, four straight drives ended in a turnover, and five out of six drives ended in a turnover. That's what's got to get corrected. And the reason why I'm still really high on the Chiefs offense overall is because those are fluky. I I don't think you're going to see the rest of the season Clyde Edwards-Hilaire consistently turning the football over. I don't think you're going to see on the season Patrick Mahomes finish with like 20 interceptions on the year, which is what he's on pace for right now. That is not what Patrick Mahomes does. He has been 
a little bit lackadaisical with the football. He's made at at least two plays that I think if you asked him afterwards, he would say to himself, yeah, I was trying to do too much there. The, the pass that he did to, or through to Marcus Kemp, or he was on Marcus. It's on both. Uh, Marcus should have caught it. Marcus should have caught it. Also, Patrick Mahomes, there's no reason to no look there. And it was a bad ball. It was a bad ball. It was behind him. It was up high. And it was a wide open throw. You got to make that throw. And if you're Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the world, I'm going to judge you based on the fact that you're the best quarterback in the world. And it was unnecessary. It resulted in a turnover. You got to be better in that spot. I don't think he's going to make those kinds of mistakes consistently this year. And therefore... I think the offense is going to be fine. And I think it starts this week against a Philadelphia defense that has been taken advantage of by just about everybody. I think this is a get-right game for your offense. Well, the thing is, is the, the issue is the turnovers, and it's very fixable if they care to fix it. If, if they care to come in and be serious about it and, and, and have some focus uh, about this. Because – you're right. I stand corrected. I, 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 90% I've always thought was on Marcus Kemp. But, yeah, Pat, there's no reason to no look. It's it just – it's silly and it's – you're above that. Like, come on, man. You can look at him. No reason. There was nobody around to look off. There was nobody around him. Just throw the ball to him so he knows you're going to throw it to him. All right? Now, now Marcus should have caught it. It hit you in not just one hand but two of them. So, he, he, he should have caught it. But – the last one was just absolutely pathetic. I mean, uh, and and as you said, I judge him as the best in the game. I mean, once again, two weeks in a row, he felt the need to do Jameis Winston. And Jameis didn't even do Jameis stuff. Well, hell, actually he did. He just got away with it, and, and the guy caught it in the yeah. end zone. But, but he, just, he just did Jameis stuff, and he's doing Jameis stuff in the fourth quarter. And, that, and that's inexcusable two weeks in a row. So, yes, it's very fixable, but if they want to. That's my thing, and, and and they need they need to go ahead and say, all right, we're going to focus on that because the lack of the lackadaisical play and the decisions they're making when the game's on the line is just it's it's just inexcusable and beneath a team at the level and the games that they've played in before to make those decisions. So it, it should be a good right game, and they need to clean up these turnovers because that is the biggest bugaboo for them or I don't I don't know how much of we'd be sitting here in desperation to go get Josh Gordon averaging 35 36 points a game uh which they should have been if they would have just scored uh, or if they would have just held on to the football last week against the Chargers so uh, the biggest thing is I'm with you it's very very fixable but they, but they need to start showing some signs that they're okay with fixing it yeah and, and I think a, a long a long portion of this is going to go to Clyde Edwards, a layer, whether that's in the passing game or in the running game. He looked really good last week, Ron. And I know you noticed the same thing. I thought it was one of his best games that we've seen in his chief's career. I think it was that and the bills game. And I think you could make a case that last week was actually more impressive because the bills were without a vast majority of their starting defensive line in that game last year. It was just a weird game overall as well because the COVID stuff and everything that was taking place. I think you could make a case last week was his best game as a chief. And I expect him to continue doing more of the same going into this one against Philadelphia because the Eagles have not been good against opposing running backs. Last week, they got absolutely shredded by the Dallas Cowboys. The Chiefs offensive line is legitimately good. And they've got some some ass kickers up front who should get after it in the running game. And I think Clyde's in for another big week this week in the in the running game for sure. But 
I hope more so in the passing game as well. No, I that's the big that's the other key to me when the Chiefs have the ball, as you just talked about it, just Clyde. I I thought he was I thought it was his best game since Buffalo. That's what I was gonna say. And um I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he's not involved in the passing game more. He caught two balls for nine yards and he took one for a touchdown. Like he's more than a screen throw running back. I I, I watched him in LSU. Uh, and, and even a little bit last year where he's capable of doing more than just catching screens or swing passes, and they got to get him more involved. But I like the way he bounced back after that rough turnover, and he ran the ball hard. I mean, he ran it hard, and even the turnover he had, which was costly, but it was at least his was trying to get extra yards, bouncing and spinning off of people, one of his best runs, and then he, he fumbled it. But it didn't stop him. He continued to come back and wasn't tentative the next time he got the ball. So I think I think he was uh he's a big key in this game. And I love the way and hopefully this is him jump starting uh, a continuance of, of what he did last week. And they should take advantage of the Eagles. All right, when the Eagles have the ball, when the Chiefs are on defense and the Eagles have the ball, um I uh uh, BK, I know you about you about uh you about done with this Daniel Sorensen uh, <laughs> experiment, which which many people are. The Chiefs oh, should not. be done with the Daniel Sorensen experiment. <laughs> uh, apparently, they're not. I don't understand. Like, okay, the thing about Daniel Sorensen that we're supposed to like is that he's in the right place at the right time and he doesn't miss tackles. That's what I've been told, right? That, told. That's what coaches love about a guy like Daniel Sorensen. He knows the defense, right place, right time. He's consistent. None of that applies to Daniel Sorensen, though. Daniel Sorensen is a splash player who will come up with some big-time interceptions. He'll come up with some big-time TFLs. He's pretty decent as a pass rusher, but in no way, shape, or form is he consistent. He misses a ton of tackles. If I'm not mistaken, he's at or near the league lead this year in missed tackles on the season. And yet, despite all of that, Ron, he played 100% of the defensive snaps in week one. He played 100% of the defensive snaps in week two. He played 91%. We finally got Dan Sorensen out of there for 9% of the snaps. 91% of the snaps in week three against the Chargers so far this year. He has played around 200 defensive snaps for the Chiefs. Man, Dan Sorensen has a role on this team, and I've accepted that. It's kind of like the Mohokul Hardman conversation. Let's not ask him to be something that he's not. And Dan Sorensen is not a starting safety in the NFL. Not at this age. Maybe at one point he was. He is not that anymore. And it's time, if you're talking about just the on-field product, it is past time to go back to Juan Thornhill as your starting safety. I don't understand it. Juan Thornhill gives you more athleticism. He's a guy that if you're if you're worried about the missed tackles, well, Daniel Sorensen ain't going to help you there either because he's been terrible in that regard this year too. But at least with Juan Thornhill, he's going to get to certain things that Sorensen can't because he's athletic. He's going to be able to cover guys that Daniel Sorensen can't. He can play at the back end, which frees up Tyron Matthew to go play in the box again, where he's really, really good. It doesn't make any sense. Unless this is about something off-field, there is nothing, nothing on the field that explains why Daniel Sorensen is still on the field. I, I got to honest truth. I think it's it feels like pure stubbornness from Steve Spagnola. Like I, because I mean, none of it makes sense. It feels like I'm going to prove to you all, damn it, 
that Dan Sorensen is a starting safety in this league before it kills me. And I don't care what you what 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 you all see. I know you all are seeing the same thing. Like I mean, he's I mean, and, and it Dan Dan makes a play. He's probably screaming up and down the sideline. See, I told you. Look at four yeah, nine but, over there. Yeah, but Dan's thirty one years old. Dan's been around. He's been a starting safety for a while now. It's not like Dan's got anything left to prove. He was an undrafted player who's won a Super Bowl. Like, like maybe he's just not good anymore. Maybe Dan's expired. It's time. It's time to hang it up, Dan. No, he he's he. The thing is, is he's got and I and I opposing hate, and quarterbacks I hate have a one twenty five quarterback rating this year when targeting Dan Sorensen. <laughs> that one twenty five. Everybody that that touchdown breakup that he had, I think it was like Jalen Guyton. Dan was out of position. He was totally Completely. beat. 15 yards he was away just lucky. He was just lucky just that Justin Herbert lofted the ball instead of dro- driving it to the wide receiver. Otherwise, it would have been an easy no, touchdown. I, no, I'm serious. I think I think I think Steve Spagnola's out to prove. Like he's proving why he can't be a good head coach because he's just stubborn. And Ron, do you know what percentage of the attempted tackles that Daniel Sorensen has made this year? He's missed. So when he attempts to make a I tackle, I just know he sucks when I watch him. One out of every four times he tries to tackle somebody, he misses. He misses. He, yeah, he doesn't that. bring just, them to the ground. Twenty-five percent of his time. Yes. No, I Do you know how hard that is? Twenty-five percent of the time, Ron. I don't. I just don't understand. Like I, I don't understand what anyone else is looking like. Like what it like? I, it doesn't. Like he at this misses point, a tackle as often be, as Juan Thornhill's on the field. It's got to be stubbornness. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know what Juan Thornhill did in that first game against Cleveland that says can't play him no more. Where he went, Mike Singletary can't win with him. Can't do it. Can't play him. I was even willing to give give him a thought of all right. This is the Ravens. They run the ball a lot. But then in this game, this is this is this is Justin Herbert where they're going to throw it. And he still said, nah, Sorenston. Like, like, literally, how can you look at the team and say, guys, I don't care what the hell you've seen out there. care what film we're watching. 49 gives us the best chance to win. Straight up, fellas. You can't. Straight up, guys. I don't even, I don't even think anybody on the team likes him. I feel like Dan's one of the most. No, that's not true. I think they like him. No, but this I is actually the, think no, they do like him. They do like him. But this is the thing that they're doing to Dan, and it's sad. And Steve Spagnola. Uh, he's a he's a jerk for doing this. He's gonna make the complete fan base hate hate Dan because as as I think Brandon we said, we hate Ben Neiman. Let's let's hate on Dan too. But he's making Dan play over his head of what his role should be. Like he's the he should be the third safety. Like he should be down. Hell, if you want to do something, maybe think about playing him an outside linebacker. Maybe maybe think about that as a – I think he's got a better shot at doing something than running himself into somebody that may hit the ground than he does safety. Because, I mean, if I got to watch them after after pass plays, look around and Dan and, and, Ty, and, and Tyron Matthews, who've played together for four years or three years, look at each other like, you had him? I had him? What? You had him? I didn't know. It was confusion. Like, I don't it's, – it's, it's absolutely insane that Juan Thornhill – it is clear – by anybody who has not drank a fifth of vodka uh, in 15 minutes, it is clear to anybody that Juan Thornhill makes this team's ceiling much higher than it is when four nines out there. 
I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Man, is he? I don't know. I, here, I'll say it. I'm gonna make this white guy safety work. Is that what Steve Spagnuolo is at right now? Is that where he is? I'll be damned. I'm gonna make this white guy safety work. It's still here. It's not over. The Adam Archuletas isn't over. I'm gonna make <laughs> him work. Cause I, I'm out. I'm out of it. There's no. There's no way Steve could sit there and watch that and think, this is it. This gives us the best chance. Big did you, see, did you see what Jay Feely said this week? A kicker? No. About Dan Sorensen? No. no please well, kind of. He said Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew is one of the league's best safety tandems right now. Uh, so he just hasn't watched a single Chiefs game. <laughs> but, well, Jay, I agree. Unfortunately, <laughs> the Chiefs don't. I don't understand. Uh, I mean, they, it might be. We just don't know. They won't play the guy. Like, Last year I, they were. They, they literally I, were among the league's best defensive safety duos, and now they don't play one of those two. It doesn't. They got to get. Uh, they got Garrick Dieter. I don't know if he's allowed to travel or what. Somebody's got to get start hiding Dan's helmet from him. Like so <laughs> somebody can't. tried that with McCall Hardman, and it didn't work. Slip some slip some bed bugs in his hotel bed. No, oh, don't do that, every man. Time, no, don't do. I don't want. I don't want that. I just want people to take his helmet and right before the defensive possession happens and he's looking for it and Juan has to go in. I don't know. I it, it, It's odd to me. Uh, but yeah, the Dan Sorensen thing is, is interesting. Hopefully Juan Thornhill, there's some changes made and he gets more snaps against the Eagles. But Jalen Hurts likes to run the ball. So maybe maybe Dan will just be the spy this week. That, that sounds like something that Spags would do. The other thing when the Eagles have the ball and the Chiefs are on defense, fellas, I've never been more disappointed than Chris Jones. Uh, I'm I, I'm to a point now, I'm fresh out of I'm fresh out of the hey man, Chris Jones, this is the this is the week. I want to see the great player that I think you are. I want to see I, I'm fresh out. I came into it and said for this defense to work, he's had to, he's got to He's got to have a defensive MVP type season. Well, that's out the window. That's gone. Pete Sweeney's up here talking about he's going to set the sack record. <laughs> yeah, nice job, Pete, on that one. That's just that's just going. But I, I'm no longer going to ask that. It's just disappointing watching that that Chargers game. He just accepted double teams and just and just seemed to just kind of stay right where he was. Just stalemates. Just accepted double teams and didn't to me, appear to try to go out there and just like, hey, I'm getting double teamed, but that don't mean that I ain't going to still cause havoc and, and be and be hell to these offensive linemen. They double teamed him. He was good. He's just not nearly making enough of an impact on this on this defense at all, not where he needs to be. And and, and I'm going to tell you right now, BK, it's, sort of, it's not even about a move into the inside moving him back inside him playing outside it's a it's just he's just not showing as the focal point guy they need to stop to be the guy to go make enough impact plays off of it I know he's not Aaron Donald but it was night and day Aaron Donald was seeing the same exact stuff that he was seeing from offensive lines from the Bucks, and he was still causing hell hell to Tom Brady I watched Chris Jones He'd be standing exactly where they were when they snapped the ball, just in a stalemate with two offensive linemen. That's just, I mean, it's very disappointing. And I'm not going to yell and scream about how he has to pick it up until I see him do so. 
So a couple of things. One, I do think it is noteworthy that he's been on the injury report each of the last two weeks with a wrist injury. And I I think some of this might be explainable, not excused, well, but ex- explainable by he, the, the injury that is taking place with his hand or his wrist hand, whatever it is right now. That being said, they do need more out of him. And if they're going to get it, it's got to be this week. So when the Eagles have the football, what you're going to see is the Chiefs are going against two of the actual starting five on the Eagles offensive line. Three of their five starting offensive linemen from week one are now out. They are hurt. So when you're going up against them this week, their interior is really, really injured right now. Their two starting guards are both out and... Their center, Jason Kelsey, is not the same player that he was a few years ago. Your Their interior is able to be had. And this week, what I would like to see more of is Chris Jones kicking back inside. You saw a little bit of that in the second half last week. I think you're going to see a lot of it this week against the Eagles. I think you're going to see him move back to the interior, especially on pass rushing downs. So I, I think this is going to be – I know you said you don't want to do this, but I'm going to go ahead and do it for you. I think this is the week you're where you do see yourself. a little – you're doing it for yourself don't include me in it i think you're gonna see more interior disruption from chris jones this week than you have in the past at least if he's healthy i don't know if he's gonna be but if he's healthy i think you'll see it gotta see more i think the biggest overall thing when the eagles have the ball though is this defense has to uh, i mean i guess i guess sunday was this past sunday was a good step on one of the possessions getting into the red zone they allowed a field goal really to me all by the self-destruction of the LA Chargers themselves by having an illegal procedure penalty on the one which backed them up, but they allowed a field goal. So they're 11 of 12 when teams get in the red zone and giving up touchdowns. So I guess that's still pathetic. That's absolutely ridiculous. It almost unreal and unbelievable. They can't, they've got to, if they just allow these teams field goals, that's good enough with what their offense does. They're just allowing people to score touchdowns at a clip that's it's almost unheard of. That's got to be a big thing this week. They can't if, – if, if Jalen Hurts and company are, are just scoring touchdowns every time they get in the red zone, good hell almighty. Yeah, it, it the word finish is what's got to be, like, written all over the facility right now because the Chiefs aren't finishing tackles, they're not finishing drives, and they're not finishing games right now. Opposing teams are five for six on fourth down conversions against the Chiefs. They're 12 for 13 on scoring touchdowns when they get into the red zone against the Chiefs. When it comes to late game situations right now, each of the last two weeks, the Chiefs defense has failed to be able to win the game whenever they've needed them the most against the Chargers and the Ravens. If you combine those two games, they've seen six fourth quarter drives. And in those six drives, They've allowed four touchdowns, a field goal, yay, and the one game-ending drive against the uh, the Ravens where they were able to convert that fourth down. They've got to be able to finish some of this stuff, man. Whether that means getting more turnovers, whether that means coming up with a big play on third down that prevents the opposing team from going for it on fourth down, the Chiefs right now defensively are not doing enough to be able to pre- prevent these teams from getting into the red zone, and then once they get there, of course, preventing them from getting into the end zone. All right, yeah, that's 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 the latest. They've got to change things up, man. They just can't let teams keep scoring touchdowns on them. All right, before we get out of here, you know what time it is. We got to get to the game that is sweeping the nation. Not just Arrowhead Pride, 
but the nation certified or imposter you're certified right let's get you certified i'm an imposter and i'm I, i'm gonna go with this one i i'm gonna go generally it's been players but i'm going with steve spagnola um his game plans i'm, I'm gonna say imposter i'm gonna let that go right off the bat all right, uh, I know he's, he's, he's been the defensive coordinator for Super Bowl teams, but I'm telling you right now, this joker, what, what he's bringing to the table is imposter. He is, like, uh, this may sound harsh, he's got a real naggy feel to him right now it, to a point of he's playing players that make no sense in Dan Sorensen as we just chronicled. He keeps, he's, he's like channeling his inner Bob Sutton of no adjustments made. We're just going to keep doing the same damn thing they were going to do, expecting a different result. Um, his game plans lately have been gross, uh, disgusting, um, and he could just throw <laughs> up in his pants as far as I'm concerned with what he's run out there. And, um, and it's not just these injuries that he has. He's doing it to himself. All right, he's got too good of players. And just do something. Eleven of twelve in the red zone. You got to be kidding me! I like he's got to pick it up in a major way. And uh, I mean, uh, he's just been awful, awful to me. I don't think awful uh, is fair, <laughs> but well, well, this year's been really ugly. So one thing that I I'm going to say this as a disclaimer awful. before I get into the the rest of my spiel because I. I think I would probably go imposter as well, but I'm, I'm going to explain why here. Um, one thing that I do think is important as context to the Steve Spagnuolo discussion, his defenses are always super vanilla early in the season. And then he adds more and more and more as he finds out what he has. The problem, one of my frustrations about the way that he coaches as well, he doesn't put his best personnel on the field early in the season. And then later on, we finally get to see the best personnel. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's part of the conversation with Spags. I would also say some of this is just what we should have expected. Like Steve Spagnolo's resume outside of the the couple playoff runs that he's had both in New York and then here in Kansas City of course. It's it's scattered with some pretty bad defenses. Steve Spagnolo has spent 9 years as a defensive coordinator in his career, Ron. Only 5 times. So about half of the time does he even have a top 15 defense in points per game. Only 3 times has he had a top 15 defense in terms of yards per game? And it gets worse if you're looking specifically at what the problem is for the Chiefs right now, which is their rushing defense. In the last, so 2012, 15, uh, if you go to 17 with the Giants, and then the last three years with the Chiefs, all of those defenses had a bottom 10 rushing defense. And the thing that is duff- difficult to, to swallow about that is, he puts a lot of emphasis on stopping the run. Like he wants the front office to go out and sign and draft these big linebackers, these beefy defensive linemen to build up, to stop the run. Well, if you're not going to do that and you've got these big linebackers and the beefy defensive linemen that are supposed to stop the run, well, you're just going to get crushed against the pass unless your scheme is able to completely make up for it. And right now what we're watching is, The Chiefs signed a bunch of and drafted a bunch of guys that can help against the run that aren't doing a great job against the run. And then in the back end, they're not holding up against the pass and his scheme is still vanilla. So the results are bottom of the barrel. They're last in the league in some of the more advanced numbers. They're last in the league right now against the run. 
they're not a very good defense right now against the pass either. And I think that's getting a little bit of uh, it's getting overlooked right now because of the run defense. It's been bad, man. In every possible way, it's been bad. And this is a trend with Steve Spagnolo, especially early in the season, that has been too often overlooked in my mind. Good, Steve. Certified or imposter? I, I mean, I think that he's an imposter right now. And I agree with BK that, like, there was question marks about Spags when we brought him in, but... I thought last year he was showing more exotic looks like doing some unique things in the chief secondary because their cornerbacks weren't very good and we didn't have a lot of faith in them and we didn't know what they were going to get in luxurious team. So they were doing these unique three safety looks like at a higher percentage than any other team in the NFL. And so like that made me think, Oh, Spags has got this ability to adapt to the personnel that he has. And then this season he was just like, Oh no, last season I had no choice. Now that I've got I've got at least bodies now. So I just got bodies. I'm just gonna throw them out there and see and hope that it winds up working out. And it's just not working out. And so he's gotta be an imposter. I've never looked at Spags like he's one of the best defensive coordinators in football or something, but all you need for all you need this defense to be for the Chiefs is like 17. You just gotta be the 17th best defense in the NFL. You just can't be the worst defense in the NFL. And right now they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So until he does something to change that, like, I don't know, maybe playing Juan Thornhill, I'm going to call him an imposter. Uh, like, I think many people may think I'm being hard on him. And as I see some of the reviews that I mean, um, there's nothing that they do as a defense above average. They suck ass against the run. They're the worst in the league. They're awful against the pass. I mean, the teams can do whatever they want to do in the pass. Teams, every time they get into the red zone, literally almost every time except for once, they score touchdowns. They don't even give up field goals. And they, they were the turn... worst defense in the NFL that last year, too. And they're not even – they don't even turn the ball over. When, when, Ty, when Tyron Matthews not playing a game, they don't turn the ball over. Like, they don't get turnovers. Like, there's nothing that they do at this point right now that is not just just that that's average. I mean, nothing, nothing at all. And I mean, that's got to go towards him at, at times. Like there are a couple of touchdowns and a couple of plays. Like Justin Herbert's a good player, but man, he, there are easy throws, just easy stuff, just it, just easy stuff. Like hey, yeah, Mike Williams alone singled up. Let's let him have it on small corners, huh? Like, I mean, it just, it would, it, 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 nothing changed. So, if there's some may think I'm being too hard on him, I know he's won, been defensive coordinators and they've won Super Bowls, but his defense in every aspect of the game stinks. It just stinks. And that's got to be a reflection on him. And he's, 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 but he's just pathetic. I'm sorry. It and to Serta's point about where the defense needs to rank, in 2019, the defense was 17th in yards per game allowed. That that was enough for them to go on to be in the Super Bowl. Last year, they were 16th in yards per game allowed. That was enough once again for them to be able to get into the Super Bowl. This year, they're 30th. And if you're looking at points allowed per game, they're 31st. You don't have to be good defensively. That is not the bar. Even though you are no. among the most 
uh, highly paid defenses in the league, which they are right now, even though you have by far the highest paid defensive line in the league, which they do, I'm not asking you to be great. Just be average. And if you could do that, that should be good enough with this offense being what we think it will be eventually. So that that's the bar to clear. Get, get to league average and you should be fine. I'm much more confident that the Chiefs offense will get back to being number one, two, or three in the league than I am the Chiefs defense getting to 15 to 20. All right, man. I, 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 I do got a shout out Serta. I mean, Serta has a lot of inner issues with him, but that Chiefs set Arrowhead Pride postgame show, fantastic. You and Pete, I catch it after every game. You should catch it. It's oh, fantastic. Thank you. I, I've been I've been really self conscious about it, so it actually really means a lot that you that you mentioned it. Listen, I'm here to save save uh, save lives. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Other than the post game show, uh, should people be listening for? Uh, well, yeah, obviously we'll have the Arrowhead Pride Rapid Reaction Show immediately following the Chiefs game on Sunday. You can find that on YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook. But if you haven't please subscribe to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We have 14 podcasts a week. I don't know if you guys realize how much content old Steve's over here cranking out, but we got 14 podcasts a week, and they're all fantastic. If I do say so myself, I got my fingers in every single one of them, and so you should listen to all of them. And even if you can't listen to all of them, we have a best of that drops every Saturday at 6 a.m. with the best stuff from all of our weekly podcasts. So please subscribe to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network and leave a five-star review if you feel so inclined. That's Ron, right. you got a prediction for Sunday, my man? Uh, outside of them hopefully bringing back Chuck Woolery to do Love Connection, um, I, uh, I'd i say I really want that to come back. Um, I don't even know, man. I, I just uh, – Chiefs – <laughs> they better beat the Eagles right now. I, I'll be honest. I don't have They're a lot stomp of, the Eagles. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in them against good teams, but the Eagles aren't a good team. So I'll say I'll say 31-20. I guess 31-20 Chiefs. Uh, I, I'm close. I'm close with that. Um I'm gonna go Chiefs 34. Eagles 24. I think it goes over. I think the Chiefs cover the spread, which is something they haven't done a whole lot of. They're now 2-12 and 12 against the spread in their last 14 games, which is the worst mark in the NFL against the spread in that stretch. So I've got the Chiefs winning against the spread, covering the points, and uh, going over 34-24 for me. I'm going to say 35-21. Um I think that 21 is going to be kind of late like it was for the Eagles on Monday night against the Dallas Cowboys. This shouldn't be a close football game. Like the Eagles are, are, are far off from being as talented as the Chiefs right now. And the Chiefs need to look good in this game a lot more than the Eagles do. Like the Eagles just simply can't pass with the Chiefs. So Chiefs better get up early. And I think it winds up being 35 to 21. All right. Showing BK with the Chiefs. Good job, Steve. Good job, BK. Great job. Hope you guys aren't drunk. I am. We are out.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.